The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, listeners. Happy holidays. The holidays started really early this year, like sometime November 1st or 2nd or something like that. So I feel like Christmas is over already. Today, we have a wonderful guest who is an MD and an ophthalmologist and bodybuilder extraordinaire, and my experience with Dr. Michelle Reyes is, is that when I, when I first met her at the gym, I thought she was a trainer or a bodybuilder because she's divinely gorgeous and in very good shape, and then when we got to talking, she let me know that she was indeed a doctor, an MD, and um, had opened up a place, a new place that. Um, in Los Angeles called The Med Spot, and we're going to talk about that all throughout the show. Welcome, Dr. Michelle Reyes. Thank you very much, Cindy. That was really sweet. Well, you know, it's all true, and I and just to add to all of the goo-goo-gaga, when I got to know Dr. Reyes a little more, she knew that I had um, sort of a horrendous eye infection that I didn't know what to do with, and I was so impressed with the fact that just because you were a friend, but more than that, because you cared, um, and you knew that it was hard for me to drive. You asked me to shoot you over a picture so that you could let me know that I wasn't dying. <laughs> that doesn't happen often, though. It made me, I can't tell you how much relief you, you, of, of a burden you took off of me because just having an MD look at what I had because it probably felt so much worse than it really was or looked so much worse than it really was medically, you just made me feel better. Well, that I mean, that's the fun thing about about um, about being a physician is that I can I can calm people down and I can say, oh, it feels terrible, and especially with eye problems, it can just feel so bad. It can feel like, especially an abrasion or eye infection, it just feels terrible, and you have a headache. And um, but I can just tell you how how long it'll last, and you know, and, and just you know, the anxiety is probably eighty percent of pain. And so. It is, and particularly when a patient really doesn't know what it is because I had no idea, you know, I never had anything like that before. Of course, I was familiar with pink eye and, you know, some kind of, you know, minor conjunctivitis, but never that. So having an ophthalmologist reassure me, I think it made it go away. It's absolutely true that when your mind goes crazy, then it, it, makes it, it makes it harder for your body to heal. So like in any situation where I'm... I'm I'm going to put someone through something that might be a little bit uncomfortable if they understand it and they're, you know, and we chat through it and and they're in their calms and everybody feels better. They feel better. There's less bruising. There's, you know, they they heal quicker. So, um, they there's a reason there. There's something called talk anesthesia and 
Um, you know, well, you did better. that. You gave me talk and a speech, <laughs> and I'm forever thank you, thankful for that. Now let's. Now you have a very interesting background. You, I know that you went to med- medical school in Louisville, mm-hmm. and um, came here, and you practiced ophthalmology, and you decided after many years to make the transition and not necessarily a complete transition because you still have your ophthalmology patients that you care very much about and you're still practicing, you know, a couple of days a week, but you decided that you wanted to open up your own store and it's called the MedStop. Tell, tell us how that idea sort of cultivated. Well, back in, um, actually in, in 2001, I, um, I was you know, heavily into ophthalmology in, in West Hills and Woodland Hills area, and um, I had a I, it was a lot of HMO patients and a, a heavy HMO practice, and I was trying to transition into more private patients, and so I contracted with a marketing company, and the woman that was in, in the woman that was assigned to be my marketer, she really wanted me to start a cosmetic practice, and I said, "No, you know, I, you know, this, I'm really an ophthalmologist. This is not what I do." And, and she's like, "No, no, no, Botox is the greatest thing, and I want you to do it because you'd be the greatest uh, cosmetic doctor." And I, I really resisted her, but it was something that was actually right up the ophthalmologist's alley. So I said, "Well, you know, okay." Well, she says, "Yeah, we'll market it, this and that." So, Botox was just getting FDA approved, so I started doing the Botox, and and the patients that I saw were happy and it was kind of neat and it was definitely an ophthalmic procedure because it was around the eyes and ophthalmologists were really the first people that did Botox. So it made a lot of sense and I was like, okay. And then my patients were so happy. They're like, well, Dr. Reyes, can you fix my lips? Can you, what can you do with this brown spot, et cetera, et cetera. And it just kind of like, it kind of snowballed on itself. In spite of myself, I I really didn't ever plan on doing anything like that. And, um, and as, as the non-invasive cosmetic procedure world grew I aged along with it and it made it just kind of it just kind of made sense my patients aged with me I identified more with their aging complaints and um and I realized you know plastic surgery is a lot about is is majority of plastic surgery and cosmetic procedures about feeling better it's not necessarily about looking like a cover girl I mean I I, I probably five percent of my patients come in wanting to look perfect, and they're usually, you know, difficult, more difficult patients. Most people come in and they, you know, they just want to look better. They want to look younger. They want to look fresher. They want to just feel as good on the outside as they look as good on the outside as they feel on the inside. And they feel so young. Everybody's staying so in shape and and so healthy. Then outside, if they have you know sun, a little bit of sun damage or some wrinkles, they just don't look the same. And uh, so many reasons people come in to you know, they come in to just feel better and, and be able to present themselves better to the world. So it was, it turned out to me to be a really actually grat- surprisingly gratifying practice. So oh, that's good. And it, and it was also so very organic. I mean, it's very interesting that you were really, uh, I have to compliment you, ahead of the curve because you realized early on that the HMO and insurance situation for a physician um, was changing. And, you know, so you were really ahead of the curve. And a lot of the physicians that I know, I, mean, I think about maybe a third of them realized that either they didn't want to deal with insurance anymore, <laughs> period, or, um, you know, they would just sort of, you know, change the way that they did their practice. And, you know, I'm sure that you're sort of, 
satisfied that you got in front of it rather early, and at the same time, you're still very loyal to your HMO or ophthalmic patients. So, I mean, good for you. Well, thanks, Cindy. Yeah, no, I was able to get off of my HMO, so now I just see private patients, which is really good. Well, it is because it's just a, it's a headache. A doctor becomes an administrator, and that. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's it doesn't matter. HMO is the the worst end of the of insurance. I mean, you don't go to you don't go through you know ten, twelve years of education so that you could, you know, sit behind the desk and fill out forms. I mean, oh, absolutely. And, and you know, what yeah, physicians happen. are not recommending to their children to become physicians anymore. And it's really actually very sad, Cindy, because it's incredibly gratifying practice. I mean, I, I never regret being a physician because, like, you know, just as simple, something as simple as looking at a picture of you and your eye and you being miserable and me saying, I know exactly how long it's going to last and, and what you can do to make it feel better. It's incredibly gratifying for me because I wake up every morning, you know, like most of us do, we want to make an impact in the world in some little way every day. And I wake up in the morning thinking, I, that's, I, can, that's, I can do that, and, and it's fun for me. And so I, it's, it's sad that people don't tell their children to become physicians anymore, and they don't hope their children become doctors, and I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, let's not be that pessimistic about it. I think, you know, maybe we could change the way that parents talk to their children about it. There still can be encouragement to be a physician. It just isn't necessarily, unfortunately, <laughs> it might not be as prosperous. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And then there's plenty of little, there's plenty of, like, like you said, there's plenty of ways that you can still practice medicine that are incredibly, that you can still support yourself. I mean, it's not like you... There was there was probably an era that physicians made too much money, or you know, or they you know they, they took advantage of. There was a group that took advantage of it, but um, you can still make a, a living. You know, you're never you're never without a job. You know, so it's it's still something that I mean, if my children want to do it, I I beg them to do it because no, I love exactly. it. It's just, I mean, oh. you know, and like anybody else, there's always a way that an entrepreneur, whether you're a physician or not a physician can find ways to make money. There are so many physicians that are inventing things and creating things and, you know, contributing to research and technology. And, you know, I, it's, just, it's just probably not the same path as it once was. One of, you know, I just read recently in the news, and this was, like, astounding to me, that the American medical doctor, you know, back when we were, you know, Puritans and pioneers, um, really didn't have much schooling at all. Um, at the very, you know, I'm talking about the 1800s. Uh, they really just went to a limited, they had a limited education, but they really cared about people, and they would do house visits and all of that kind of stuff. And then the American medicine system sort of evolved, and that's when it became very intensive and, you know, with the hundreds of years of education that <laughs> you had to go through. So I found that to be very, very interesting, that, you know, at once it was just a very, very simple kind of practice. Uh-huh. And um, it was all about making you feel better and just coming in and being with you and holding your hand and and that is a huge still a huge part of it but technology is so amazing and there's always so much research going on and so we know so much so that's why it just takes us a lot longer to learn everything and yeah dentists I think were the first surgeons it's kind of interesting. No it is it yeah. is. We're going to take a commercial break soon. I promised you that all of this would go very fast. You were probably saying to yourself, how am I going to spend an hour on the air? What am I going to talk about? But, you know, this first segment was really a preliminary introduction of you. And um, in the next couple of segments, we'll talk more about procedures so that we could educate the listeners on what kinds of 
you know, fun things they can have to give themselves a boost for the holidays. Um, and I know that you're very, very excited. You love, like you said before, whether it's telling, coming somebody down because they have an infection that they're concerned about um, and making them feel better or walking into the med spot and giving them a little something that could make them feel rejuvenated. I know that it makes you very, very happy. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really fun and it's artistic and, and I know I'm good at it. It makes me, I, I, I don't mean to brag, but I know it and then that makes me feel good that I can really give everybody the best thing that they can, that they can have. So. And, it, you know, you, you sent me a list, Michelle, and it's, <laughs> you didn't even, you just gave me the toppings on the cake and you listed 13, okay? <laughs> Cosmetic procedures that are popular with your patients. So I assure you, in the next three segments, we'll be able to cover each. Oh, I just threw them out there as things in case you know, in case there was like, like you had been hearing about things or something interesting. I I just threw some stuff out there because people ask me stuff all the time, and so I, you know, I just threw some stuff out there to see if there was anything interesting in there that you'd want to want to pick from that no, you want to know about. I feel that I have. A lot of material to cover. Okay. Leave me empty-handed. Um, just quickly before the break, I wanted to congratulate you also. You recently had a fundraiser for a church where people had to bring blankets and stuff for babies. Yeah, it was a Baby Angel Thread. It's a, it's a mission that's, um, that is through the uh, um, Calvary Community Christian Church. And um, we were able to get 64 pairs of pajama, baby pajamas for, um, for, for newborns to be put into layettes for, for mothers in, in need. And um, it was actually really exciting. We, I, I provided a $100 gift card for anyone that would bring in a pair of baby pajamas. And so oh, we just had, great. we have pajamas 